Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fill in the Gap Podcast. It's me with uh, with same old Christian Stanley. Heck yeah, we are here. We are four weeks into the new year. I mean, 2024, how's it going? It's doing good, bro. So we're going to be continuing our series on human trafficking. Yeah, yeah, we are. But first, uh, we're just going to, you know, human trafficking. You know, last week we had a, a missionary interview that came out, Asa Parnell. We hope you are enjoying that. But uh, human trafficking, heavy subject. So let's start off with something not so heavy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So actually before this, because uh, obviously of how heavy the subject is, which also disclaimer again, we're going to begin to some deep stuff. So if you're listening around to, um, you know, kids or anything, just be aware. We're going to get into some deep stuff. So. You have been warned. Uh, but before that, I said, oh, we need something lighthearted at the beginning of the episode. And so we went through and we were looking at some very, very cheesy conversation starters. But you had an absolute banger of one that came to your mind. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, so throughout the Bible, there's a lot of prophets and a lot of, you know, apostles and the disciples and Jesus himself, right? And uh, I just came up with the idea of calling the miracles that they did uh, biblical superpowers. Yeah, because um, I, I said, oh, yeah, like, we could do one, like, what's your favorite, you know, like, what's your favorite superpower? And we're like, oh, that's pretty basic. But then you said biblical superpower. Yeah, and just so for the listener, you can choose one for yourself. But the parameters for this, the rules, are that whatever, you know, by, by biblical superpower, what I'm saying is, like, Jesus walking on water. We're counting that as a biblical superpower. We know it's a miracle. Stay out of the comments, right? But we're calling it a biblical superpower right now, and it's basically whatever you choose, anytime you wanted to do it, God would be like, all right, and you could do it. So, you know, type thing. Bro, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But is it, like, on command, or does it just, like, happen? Uh, it is on command. God gives you free reign to do Bro. this biblical superpower for the rest you know, of your life. You know how funny that would be? Like, you can walk on water, but... Like you couldn't, <laughs> but you couldn't choose like, like where it is. So you're like at a pool party. You're just like, man, this is lame. You're just like sitting in the pool, crisscross applesauce in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> what if it was one thing where like, it was like, you couldn't read all the fine print and you were like, God, I want to walk on water. And he's like, all right, but you didn't read the fine print and it was like salt water. <laughs> you can't walk on fresh water. <laughs> you can only walk on salt Bro, water. This doesn't imagine that you're like, oh man, it's been a long day. I just want to like an Epsom salt, like. You can't get in the <laughs> You can't get in it. Yeah, so what would your what, what do you think you'd go with? I mean, dude. <laughs> I mean, obviously like calling down fire would be like pretty like pretty cool party trick cuz uh mm-hmm. yeah, 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 always yeah. been pretty terrible at like starting like bonfires and everything. Yeah. So it'd be like pretty cool. It's like, you know, huzzah or like if, <laughs> that's or, how you would do it? Yeah, bro. What would you say? <laughs> Is that how you do it? Bro, huzzah. I, bro, I mean obviously like couldn't do this, but I just want to be out there with like a wizard stick and be like, Alakazam! And like, Wah! I feel like we're getting, we're getting a little far from biblical. I know, I know. Like, like, but I also like think about it. Like, oh man, you know, I forgot. I can't light the birthday candles. And you're just sitting there like in the corner like, I got you. You like snap your fingers and like, yeah. <laughs> it comes on. Yeah. What would you got? Uh, well, um, I think we should, uh, I, I, my first answer, because I think we should revisit this answer you know months from now but i think my first answer will be moses split in the red sea i would love to anybody a water just walk up to it and like you said alakazam (laughs) just split but like (laughs) but like uh, at what point in your life have you walked up said man (laughs) i can't get across this water right now this is so inconvenient never but i mean (laughs) 
once I have the power, then maybe I would use it. <laughs> Bro, but listen, but hear me out. A lot of listeners, new year, new me, right? Mm-hmm. People are going to the gym. Well, what about some like Samson like strength? That would be cool, but would it come along with the same like rules as Samson? Would I have to grow my hair out and never let it be cut again? Okay, I thought you were saying like like the commitment, like you said, like, hey God, let me do this one more time and like you can have super strength, but you just die if you use it once. Okay. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that's that's a little. No, that would be terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, mine definitely be splitting the rest. I think it would be really cool, like, show up to the church Christmas party, right? Now, granted, <laughs> this is something I, I've honestly never seen this. Uh, well, I know I have. Um, it parties where they have, like, a fruit punch bowl or something, and you're, like, getting it with a ladle. Yeah. You don't see that often anymore, and they don't do it at our church Christmas party, but could you imagine showing up at church Christmas party, and it's like a bowl of fruit punch, and somebody goes to dip the ladle, and you're like, kazam, and it just splits. <laughs> Bro, you're just, you're just messing with them. Like, you're just, like, making, like, you're not even, like, splitting it in half. You're just, like, making the water move away from the ladle, like, when they go yeah. to grab it, and they're like, oh, come on, and you're, like, going around the bowl, and it's just like, ha-ha, like... Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So, listener, you know, what biblical superpower would you uh, like to have? Um, you know, out of all the apostles, all the 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 prophets and the disciples and stuff, what would you want to do? Um, so today, yeah, today's episode, we are getting into uh, another human trafficking topic that I wanted to hit on, and it's called the plight of the runaway. Okay. Um, so the plight, if you're not hearing me well on the sound, P-L-I-G-H-T, not F, not flight, but the plight of the runaway. What, um, is, what does that mean? So the plight of the runaway, just a little context, when, we, when Rachel and I first joined this team, our boss, Brad, uh, brought this up, is that there is a huge issue and a huge um, mis, mishandled area of runaway and missing kids. Um, and the plight, so plight definition, I wrote this down because I figured you would ask that. Thank you. Plight. Uh, the definition of that is a dangerous, difficult, or unfortunate situation, right? So basically for this, you can, unfortunate situation. So the plight of the runaway, um, and the fact that, so for our team, when we do missing kid searches, most of the kids we get are runaway kids, right? So runaways are any person that is under the age of 18 that has left home and uh, is basically their legal guardian doesn't know where they are. So now the plight of the runaway is uh, the reason we call it this and this issue is when you label a kid as a runaway in the United States, when you label the kid as a runaway, first of all, you know, you've heard it talked about in churches before that labels are not good, right? Putting labels on people, you know, things like that, labeling them as something that they're not or something derogatory. Labels are never good for anybody. But for a kid who is underage, who is a minor, a juvenile, you know, a youth, whatever you want to call them, labeling a kid as a runaway is probably the worst thing you could do to a kid. Reason being is so reason being is because in the United States, typically when a kid runs away, especially say so you got your first time runaway, which is a kid that you know, every kid has different issues and stuff, and we're going to get into risk factors of kids that might run away uh, as we get into this episode. But a first-time runaway, people are concerned, and they're like, oh, my goodness, they ran away. Please come home. And typically first-time runaways do come home unless they've gotten themselves into some situation they can't get out of. But uh, your repeat runaways, right, yeah. these kids that have ran away two, three, four, 
I've we've had a kid that we did before that she's run away ten times. You Goodness. know, how old is um, she? Well, I can't say that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but you know, you got these kids that are repeat runaways, right? And they're labeled as a runaway, and people begin to uh, not care, if you will, because when you label runaway, hey, this kid just ran away. It is insinuating that they made the decision to do what they're doing. So if they made the decision, they can deal with the consequences type thing, which is how people typically think when it comes to runaways. So what will happen is they'll, you know, their family will be like, hey, so, and you know, Jimmy Smoes missing, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird name. But either way, they'll be like, hey, Jimmy's missing. And for the first week, two weeks, uh, you know, for preferably he comes home in those first two weeks. But say two weeks go by. Those first two weeks, everybody's going to share on Facebook and stuff. Oh, look for this kid, look for this kid, all that stuff. And that's all great. That really that helps, and we want people to do that. But after two weeks, it starts to lose steam. Jimmy's been gone a month. Jimmy's been gone two months, three months. Starts to lose steam, and then they're like, oh, well, he ran away. He's doing what he wants to be doing. You know, yeah. he's 13, 14, 15 years old. He thinks he knows what's right. So yeah. let him do what he wants type thing. And, and it – and it really puts these kids in a situation where this label can really affect uh, their developmental years. And then when they get as adults, it affects them as well. Yeah. And uh, so just going back to that a little bit, you're saying that like being having them labeled as that is so bad. Is it which I know I'm getting a little bit ahead here because of the, you've mentioned this is the statistics before about mm -hmm. how it's in the first 48 hours. Right. Where Yeah. Yeah. For sex trafficking. Yeah. Yep. And so. What you're saying is a lot of parents, when they say, oh, well, they can deal, you know, they chose to run away. They're going to deal with the consequences. But when they do that, it's in the most critical time of a uh, person getting trafficked within that first 48 hours. And then usually parents, after a couple of days, then they start getting concerned. But after that, that's already been the point of no return for most kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it just depends on the situation, right? You know, but uh, but like. Yes, if they if they are labeled as that and they're gone for this amount of time, it can become uh, it be the longer they're gone, the more dangerous the situation becomes, no matter what they're doing. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, especially if they've gotten uh, linked up with a groomer in sex trafficking or you know, God forget forbid a pedophile or something like that, right? It, especially if a kid gets caught up with like a pedophile or something like that, time you're really on the clock looking for that kid. And I don't, I don't have those statistics in my brain right now, so don't ask me. But, um, but you know, so what we call runaways, right? A lot of people, when we're doing these missing kid searches, they like to differentiate runaways and missing kids. But what our team likes to say, it doesn't matter if they made the choice to run or they were abducted or they got lost or whatever. They're all missing kids. Yeah, but does that – uh? Does that difference change? Uh, how does that change y'all's uh, perspective when it comes to looking and uh, gathering information? Oh, I mean, it changes the way that we deal with a case for sure. I mean, if a, if if there's a pretty high thought that a kid has been picked up by somebody, whether that's abduct, abducted or we've had cases before where the kid has reached out to somebody and been like, hey, pick me up, and it's like an old friend or an old family member or something like that. When it comes to that, you know, we treat those cases where we'll – talk to the family, will go to the, if the kid left, say, an iPad or a computer or a game system, those are gold right there. Really? Uh, and we go through them and we find out where they were messaging this person, right? Um, now, if a kid ran away uh, and we have, 
you know, say eyewitnesses that they've been on foot or whatever, don't necessarily, I mean, we still want to, if there is an available device that they were using, we still want to see it. So it's just, it's just differentiating circumstances. But yeah, no, we, we even had a girl one time that she, uh, left with somebody that she met online and this was not a friend or anything. So she met them online and, uh, I think it was Instagram or something, but either way, we knew that this was a serious situation right off the bat because this girl not only left, right, and they thought, oh, well, she ran away. They got her on the ring camera. She's walking down the sidewalk, right? So we yeah. knew that. And then the parents told us, oh, well, she left her phone, right? So, okay, she left her phone. That's a little weird for somebody running away, but if a kid's getting groomed, sometimes they have two phones, you know, whatever. Yeah. So we go, uh, our team looks at the phone. Well, the phone's been wiped. It's basically factory reset. Oh, so. And that tells you right there that she was coached because yeah. no 14-year-old kid is going to do that on their own. Yeah, most kids um, aren't thinking about, like, how to, like, get rid of evidence when they leave. Yeah, no, no, yeah. She had factory reset her phone, and it was kind of like, well, this sucks. Um, but she's definitely, she was definitely in a, a bad situation just based off of that information, right? But um, so we call, uh, like I said, runaway, abducted, whatever, they're all just missing kids, and uh, I was going to define uh, a missing and endangered kid uh, or child, missing and endangered child. Uh, the definition on NICMIC, so all the stats and all the risk factors and stuff I'm going to say are from NICMIC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Ki Children. Uh, you can visit their website at missingkids.org, and you can see missing kids in your area and stuff like that. Um, but not all, not all missing cases go to the NICMIC. It just depends on how it's done, how the paperwork's done, because basically what happens is your kid goes missing, you have to report it to police, and then a lot of times it's the police, if you ask them or whatever, it's different with every department or sheriff's office or whatever, but a lot of times they will send the case to the NCMEC, you know, because then that goes out to the nation, say yeah. they think your kid's going to Texas or something and we're from Alabama, well, then we need it on the NCMEC. Um, because that's a website, everybody sees it, the pictures, the, you know, they're five foot four, whatever. Uh, but not every missing case gets on the NCMEC, as I'm about to tell you. But, uh, but so the NCMEC has missing endangered child listed as any child under 18 that is, that no legal guardian currently knows their location. That's it, right? So whether they're runaway or not, they are endangered because they are under 18 and their legal guardian, their parents, whoever, they have no idea where they are. So that's the definition of that. And then here's some stats for you. So in one of our episodes, it was either the first episode of this year or the second. I can't remember right now. I was talking about the statistics for how many kids go missing every day yeah. uh, in the United States. I want to say it's the first episode, but I could be wrong. But I, I was trying to remember if it was 2,100 or 2,500 because for me as a missionary, I say these stats a lot and you would think I would remember it. But at the time we recorded that podcast, it had been a couple of weeks since I had spoken at a church. So yeah. it was kind of like <laughs> the <laughs> stats were slow. They were lagging. Um, so I had it right at the time. It was 2100. But before uh, doing this, I looked up some statistics on runaways and missing kids and found out that it's actually been updated. Um, so the stat I gave you was from 2020. It's been updated to 2022 um, that 2,300 kids go missing every day in the United States. So, so why that, not? So that is the correct number for people that were like, dang, Christian doesn't know what he, you know, can't remember the stats. But um, so Nick Mick, just to give you a little bit of stat statistics from there, there's 2,300 kids go missing. But the in 2020, 30,000 
missing kid cases got submitted to NCMEC. 91% of those uh, were runaways. Wow. 91% of the 30,000. But, you know, don't get it twisted. That's just what was submitted to NCMEC, right? In reality, when you take that 2,300 kids and you multiply it by 365, and I'm not, I'm not going to give the hard number here. You can do the math if you want. But essentially, it's over 820,000 missing, uh, missing kids every single year in the United States. Oh, my goodness. Um, so almost a million, approaching a million, right? Still 100-something thousand away. But you got all these kids that are going missing. And you see, the the thing that people don't understand and the thing that I've learned through working with runaways and missing kids is that a lot of times, and I'm not going to turn this into an episode where we bash the system for, you know, whatever, right? Um, people can, can make those assumptions for themselves. But a lot of times these kids, they'll run away once and then they'll come back and then they, wanna, they run away again, run away again, and then eventually people stop listening to them, Right. And they just look at them as, oh, this is just this kid. They don't know what they're doing. They're they're no good. That's another thing with labeling a kid runaway. A lot of people think, oh, well, they're a runaway. Yeah. You know, they're a runaway. You know, and it's kind of like a derogatory type thing. They're no good. They're rebellious. They're they don't rebellious. Wanna. They don't want to listen to anybody. They're 15. They think they know everything. We'll let them go learn type thing. Which, hey, I'm not a parent yet. So as a parent, if you want to say that, you know, hey, you have all your right to say that, right? But, um. But what I wanted to get on here is that sometimes when it comes to working with missing kids, it is worth it to not just look at them as a dumb kid and sometimes just give them time and just sit and listen. Yeah. Because the thing that we've learned with working with these runaways and missing kids is that if you will sit there and listen, because a lot of times, especially if they're like a DHR, which that's Alabama's Child Protective Services, if they're in stuff like that and they got to go through the legal system and things like that, a lot of times they feel like they're not being listened to. So, and, and, and let me let me get off the bat here with saying I know what you're thinking. There are a lot of kids out there that once they've gone through something like that, they kind of play it, play the victim type thing, yeah. and they will lie to authority. They'll lie, you know, and stuff to get the way through things. I, I know there's kids out there like that. I'm not saying that there's not, but what I'm saying is, is when somebody will sit down with a kid who has run away 10 times and be like, hey, why, I, I don't I don't care what you've been doing the past six months, you've been missing, whatever. Why did you run in the first place? The first time you ran, tell me why you ran. And it, they may reveal something that they had not yet revealed to somebody. Hmm. Um, and it, it, that's why I say it pays just to listen sometimes. Because yeah. these kids, a lot of times they don't feel heard, they don't feel loved, and they don't feel important. So part of the cool thing that we get to do Right. And this isn't this isn't anything prideful for our team. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but when we go to a different city and we're looking for missing kids and I get to look at this kid that's missing in Orlando or missing in Las Vegas. And I say, hey, I flew all the way from Alabama just to come find you today. And now here we are. Ta da, you know, type thing. Yeah. Uh, the glimmer in their eye. I don't know that there's many things more worth it than to see a kid that feels like nobody cares about them realize that even though some random stranger, you know, to them, country bumpkin from Alabama, whatever, right, hmm. cared about them enough to come and beat the streets, foot, you know, handing out pictures, you know, just walking everywhere, talking to people, making phone calls all day, every day, 
justifying them. And a kid that has been lost up in the system and has been a perpetual runaway uh, realizes that, hey, somebody cares. Yeah. And, is there, and maybe I do have a little bit of worth. Yeah, because it's, you know, I mean, obviously I've never been through DH or anything, but with how getting, like, thrown around to, like, this home, that home, this and that, they can just feel like they're just a number. They're just yeah. a, they're, they're a statistic that people have to care about just because they're in the system. Yeah, exactly. And then and they start to feel like that yeah. because sometimes, you know, the people that are dealing with them, it, it's just a job sometimes. And it is, right? You know, it is a job. You're doing yeah. it and everything. But, you know, some people get jaded and whatnot, and so the kid doesn't feel like they're getting represented well, and then they just event. What happens is if a kid comes up through the system their entire life or if a kid has come through abuse or something like that, they get to a point where if somebody doesn't show them attention, they think, oh, nobody cares. I mean, yeah, because you got to think it's like going home every day, but you're still in a classroom. You know, there's a teacher with 30 students. Yeah. And so – they're not at home. They're not getting that love and affection that a child needs. Yeah. Do they feel like they're at school the entire time with people that just have to watch over them and they're not getting that love. They're not getting that personal one-on-one attention with a person they want to glean from and want to learn from. Yeah. Yeah. And let me, and let me be real honest here. Uh, something that I've thought about before, you know, at our church, there's a, the ranch, there's kids that come to our church that are from what's called the ranch. And they have a couple places across Alabama where, uh, you know, kids are living there and it's, it's a girl's house. Yeah. It's a girl's house, but they also have boys and stuff, um, you know, and other ones, but I've thought about this a lot and I've worked with a lot of runaways and not all these girls are runaways or anything like that. Some of them have that in their history and whatnot, but they've been through like abuse and stuff like that. And I've been in rooms before, and this is before I've been a missionary because I don't think people would be brave enough to say it with me in the room now. But uh, I've been in rooms before where parents, and listen, I am not judging anybody, but I've been in the room before where parents or somebody has not wanted their kid or their grandkid to be a part of an event that has these kids at it. Not just talking about the ranch. I'm just talking about like runaways in general, right? So like a lot of times, and that's what I'm talking about, labeling them as a runaway. Because a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't want my kid to hang out with that kid, you know, type thing. Mm. Let me be abundantly clear. If these kids and these runaways, if say we find them or whatever and they were there, if they are not welcome in the room, don't invite me. Yeah. I'm being so serious right now. If these kids are not welcome in the room, you can basically disinvite me because I'm not going to be there. Because all you're doing at that point is just making the kid want to run away, making the kid want to, because they want to have that attention. They want to have that someone to grasp to. And they're going to find that, whether it be you as a actual leader or find it in someone else, which is going to lead them astray and lead them into addiction or you know, Lord forbid, finding a pedophile or, you know, anyone like that. I I want to take advantage of that. So you can either be a good role model or you can push them away. And that's, you know, I don't want to get into it right now, but I I rant about this so much about how Christians in general can push away people so far Mm -hmm. and so far away from the Lord. We've talked about before on this podcast too, about how we act can push someone away. Yeah, And, you know, this goes to show that it's not just adults. It's not just people at, at places, but it can be your own kid or it can be 
a kid who really needs someone. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, you know, I don't say anything like that lightly. You know, we've worked um, over the past year. So 2023, we had an 87% uh success rate on our cases our team did the shepherds 87 percent, which is pretty good not bad right I mean, um, hey, I mean seriously congratulations they, uh, y'all put a lot of work and effort into this yeah yeah and um you know I don't, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head i do know uh the ones that rachel and i were like the the searches right where the whole team is in the same city like i said i've said before we work cases all the time so just off the searches where we were on the same city I think it was 70 missing kids located um, but I, I'm pretty sure when you add in all the other cases we did it, it's somewhere over 100 I can't remember what That's it is awesome um, but cases closed last year but either way um, yeah and that's just one of those things and in and, and I you know I didn't plan on saying this but there are people that look at these kids and whether they're a kid that is you know they don't know the kid's story right? Yeah. Kid could be vaping, smoking weed, whatever, and they're a runaway or they're in the system and stuff like that. There are people out there that look at these kids as like dirty. And I'll tell you something. I'm not okay with it, dog. Like I, I've been work. I came into this as doing anti-trafficking, but, uh, the Lord's just been speaking to me last towards the end of last year that like, dude, somebody's got to speak up for these runaways and somebody's got, they've got to be welcome somewhere. Right. And I'm not saying every person's like that. I know there's loving people out there that are empathetic and all that stuff. But there are people that without knowing the kid's story, they assume that they are where they are because of something that they did. But see, the thing is, is in, and this is what we tell the girls that we find and the kids that we find is we tell them, look, listen, because by the time we find them, I, I know a lot about them. Yeah. To be honest, I know them more than definitely more than they think they that I know them, they think I'm just some stranger, but I know like their whole life when we find them. They, every time we tell them like, look, because these girls, especially they've been trafficked or sexually abused or something for whatever reason. And I don't know what the psychology is behind this, but they feel ashamed. And we get to, and I, and I tell them, uh, and our team tells them that, Hey, this is not your fault. This is something that has been done to you. Yeah. You may feel dirty. You may feel ashamed. You may feel like a bad kid, you know, a trouble kid, whatever. Nobody cares, stuff like that. But I can tell you, you know, we don't tell them, you know, everything we know, but I can tell you, you know, young lady or whatever, that this is not your fault. And I know it's not your fault. And when there are some times when our teammate will say, our team members will say that to a girl and she'll just break down in tears, dude. And I don't, those are the, those are the moments that I just, dude, I want to go fight somebody for what they did, you know, type thing. Yeah. But, uh, I'll, I'll tell a, a quick story and I, and I won't, there'll be no names in this, of course, but, uh, and I won't tell you what city this happened in, but there was a boy, a missing boy that we had the case of. And, uh, he was, I think he was 16 at the time he went missing, but when we got it, maybe it was 17. So he'd been, he had been missing for a while. So this boy, we get closer and closer to him and uh, we're doing our research and I'm learning things. Our team's learning things about him and his story. And he is a boy that basically he came up through the system, parents, drugs, you know, you know, in jail and all that stuff. And just really, to be honest, this boy just didn't get a good shot yeah. at life. I mean, he, he was literally in the system pretty much his whole life. Well, when he got, so he was, like I said, when we got the case, he was 16, 17, I can't remember, but uh, he, he started running 
around when he he was a lot younger, you know, 13, 14, started running. And then these boys and his brother started running. He had a brother that was two years younger. And they start running, and they would run. Cops will find them, bring them back to whatever group home. They would run. Cops find you know, over and over again. Mm-hmm. By the time we get this case, kids done run like 11 times. So we get closer, and we figure out something that people had overlooked, right? Uh, because that's what we try to figure out. We try to figure out why is this kid running, and then we try to advocate for them, right? So we got into his story, and we figure out that right about the same time dude started running with his brother, and disclaimer for what I'm about to say, because this is about to be a super dark thing that I'm about to say, but it's very pertains to the story, and it explains that you don't know what these kids are going through. Mm-hmm. So, disclaimer, I'm about to say something that's dark. But uh, they we figure out that a couple months before he started running, his brother, who at the time was probably around 11 years old, had been raped by all the other boys that were in the uh, the boys' home. And they did it as a joke. And after that, the, this kid and his brother started running and became perpetual runaways, trouble kids, kids that nobody cares about type thing. You know, they just keep running. They keep getting picked up. All they do is cause trouble, all this stuff. But nobody stopped for a second and looked at, okay, the very first time he ran, I know this is the 11th time, Granted, he could have made better choices in between the years. But why did he run the first time? And he ran the first time because he wanted to protect his brother. And that's something that people don't understand. And that's something that people don't think about. He gets labeled as, I don't even have, I've never heard this story from you. I have have no words to say. I don't tell that story, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, But but it just goes to, like you said, it really goes to show that labels don't help anything. Labels don't help the situation. Labels don't help get to the root cause of the pain and suffering that these kids see and yeah. go through. And the thing is, is, you know, if there's a missing, you know, go to missingkids.org and look at the pictures of the kids that are missing. You will eventually see what I'm talking about. And this kid in particular, when I got his case, I knowing nothing about it, it broke my heart because there's a difference between a kid who has come up in a loving home and everything they need and all this stuff and a kid who has come through, who has been hurt and abused multiple times, stuff like that. Because you look at the kid who's lived in amazing life and gotten everything they needed and stuff like that, their, their eyes, right? You look at their eyes, full of life, right? There's a twinkle in their eye. They look, you know, they look happy. They look like they're there. This kid, I get his picture across my computer. They're like, hey, this is your case for the week. And I'm telling you, they're, they're just the deadest eyes I've ever seen in my life in a picture. There was nothing there. Nothing. And if you're listening to this when you get when you get home or whatever, go on missingkids.org. You know, there's a lot more stats and stuff that you can learn. But go on there, look and see if there's missing kids in your area. But look through some pictures, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Is the kids that are per- the perpetual runaways, the ones that have been abused and taken advantage of, they have put on this mask, dude, and, like, you can't read them. You can't. And they've done this on purpose, right, because they've had to do this to survive, is there? there's just nothing there behind their eyes, and it breaks my heart every time I see it, which is why when I tell you, like, hey, I came from Alabama to find you, it's like it's like the eyes light up for just a second. And if you catch that, man, it's such, oh, it's good. But uh, as we get into the back end, I know that was a hard story. I apologize, listeners, but I, I had to get 
across the why we're talking about this. And it, and it is something that I'm very passionate about. Uh, God's been doing a work in Rachel and I. We started off completely anti-trafficking, and we still are. Uh, but, dude, I've got a burden for runaways, uh, which is why I decided I wanted to do this episode. But uh, as we get into the back half, or the back, the, getting towards the end, um, I want to list some risk factors yeah. uh, for kids that could be runaways. Can I also ask you a, can I also ask you a, a question real quick? Yeah, yeah, sure. So when you enter a, enter a search and you go into the city, and, uh, you know, the police and everything drop, like, 20, 30 cases into your team's lap. Mm-hmm. How do you go about um, choosing? I mean, again, every kid's special. Every kid's worth it. Mm. But how do you pick and choose which cases are the cream of the crop? Uh, So, I mean, we, we don't – so, say we get 30 cases, right? Also, um, I also want to correct myself back there uh, when I said cream of the crop because – no kids. The ones that you need to go after. Yeah, who are who are the yeah. highest risk factors? Yeah, yeah, no, I I understood what you said, but uh, but yeah, so say we get thirty cases. Uh, thirty cases typically for our team would warrant about three. So when we go into a city, we split our team up into different. You know, so a lot of our guys are military, so each team will be Alpha, Charlie, you know, uh, Bravo, all that stuff, right? Um, and so for thirty cases, we would typically we would break up into three teams, and we'd have ten cases every every team or, yeah. or four teams and split it up a little more. But either way, uh, what will happen is each team will then have Intel analysts uh, that look into their social media and their background, all this stuff, which is what Rachel and I do. And they will begin to look into the cases and start documenting stuff they're finding. Some of these cases, though, you start looking into it and you can't find nothing. Like there's nothing. This yeah. kid ain't got a social media this kid ain't got, you know, I can't find family. I can't find anybody with their last name in the city that we're in type thing. They're a ghost. A ghost, yes. That's what we call it. Yeah, like, yeah I'll go up to my boss and be like, look, I don't know what you're wanting me to do, but I'm have about to have to pull a rabbit out of my hat to find this kid. <laughs> uh, but either way, yeah, no, they, they're like a literal ghost, right? So not that that kid doesn't matter, but at, when we get in, we're working, you know, 12-hour days, and we've got, like you said, 30 different cases or something like that. So we basically, um, if we're not gaining traction, we will put that on the side for the moment. And the ones that we are gaining traction on, we'll hit it up. We'll hit it, hit it, hit it. Hopefully find those kids first two days. Yeah. And then in the back half of the week, we will go to our very hard cases. And then once we leave the city, we will continue to work those cases. Um, but it just, it depends, dude. Like, uh, you know, some of these kids, for instance, if we have like a case of a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid, right, typically those kids, uh, unless they've had a phone for a long time, typically those kids don't have a whole lot of social media presence, which is a lot of what we do is finding social media presence and using that to find family members, to find friends and stuff to get us where we need to be. So when you, the younger the kid is, to be honest, the harder they are to find. Uh, that way, at least. Now, yeah. we go into the city and we pass out flyers and pictures and that gets tips and that's good and everything, but it takes a little longer uh, than gathering a ton of information yeah. on the internet. So um, so that's basically just how it is. I mean, it's just how the cookie crumbles type thing. But, um, but so we, we give everything. It just, some cases may have to wait until the back end of the week and that's okay um, because some of the cases are what we call low-hanging fruit. Yeah. We get in there, and it, especially if it's like a first-time runaway, they aren't smart. They don't know how to not be found type thing. <laughs> like, you know, so uh, so we get those low-hanging fruit first, and then we move on to the, the hard cases. Yeah. 
Um, but so here's your educational uh, part. Uh, and these are a couple, these are, uh, I'm not going to try and count them, but I think like 10 risk factors from the NICMIC. These are all, everything I mentioned is from the NICMIC website, missingkids.org. Um, risk factors for a runaway, a habitual runaway, uh, physical or sexual abuse in the home. Uh, that needs no explanation, yeah. right? Kids being physically or sexually abused, uh, you know, they they are going to want to get out of wherever they are. Uh, second risk factor is family conflict. Uh, that could be literally anything, right? That could just be husband and wife, you know, having yelling matches and stuff like that all the time. Um, you know, literally any type of family conflict could push a kid to the edge to want to run away. Uh, a lack of acceptance, a kid that just feels alone. Yeah. It's like nobody accepts them, especially, especially if a kid doesn't feel accepted by their family. Uh, I mean, I don't know that there's any more lonely kids than a kid that doesn't feel accepted by their family. Mm -hmm. And then they start thinking, well, I may can find acceptance somewhere else. So they run away. Uh, Struggling with mental health, you know, that doesn't require any explanation. A kid that's just struggling with depression or anxiety, they feel like they got to get somewhere else, you know, type thing. And if their family won't let them go somewhere else, they will choose to go somewhere else. Um, Substance abuse, you know, they get hooked on drugs, young age. They're going to have to get the drug some way, whether that's prostituting themselves out or whatever. Or uh, we had a we had a kid in um, where was it Las Vegas inform us that there is a type of panhandling that they do called smacking, uh, and basically that's where they uh, the kids and this is 11, 12 year old kids by the way, All right. go to Dollar Tree, Dollar General, and will buy bags of chips and stand on the corners of the streets or in the middle of the street. And yep. sell chips to people, and they call it smacking. Um, we had we had a lot of those kids in my high school. Yeah. So, and what was really funny, the reason I laughed when I said that is because the girl that it was explaining that to us, we were at the family's house, and there were like six other kids there, and she was explaining. She was like, "He's probably out there just smacking," and she explained it, and I knew what she said, but we had a um, a team member that was doing the talking. I was kind of just there, team member that was doing the talking, and she's a she's a little older than me you know, um, you know, maybe 10, 15 years older than me. Yeah. Um, so the kid being a kid was like, Oh, she doesn't understand me. And she was like, panhandling. It's panhandling. Like th- this little 10 year old girl was like, yeah, he's panhandling. Like as if she didn't understand what she had just said. So hearing that from a 10 year old kid was hilarious to me. Um, but either way, um, medical, de- medical development, <laughs> brain medical developmental or physical disability yeah Uh, a lot of times those kids will not necessarily i mean they could make a decision to run away but sometimes those kids just wander off or whatever and they get lost and it it happens things like that so that's a reason a kid might run away a big one here teen pregnancy um especially if the parents is say the kid's 14 years old pregnant say the parents are wanting her to get an abortion she doesn't want to get it or vice versa right which has happened Um, that could be a reason to run away and they're going to try and go stay with a friend or whatever. Uh, online enticement or sex trafficking, grooming, all that stuff. We've hit on that. That's a way for kids to run away. Gang activity. Uh, eventually when kids get higher up in the levels of the gang, they will run away. They will go live at whatever house that the, you know, the trap house or whatever. Um, bullying. No explanation there. Kids getting bullied. You know, why not run away? Yeah. Uh, I'm getting bullied here. Why not try and go to, you know, wherever? 
Um, and then the last one here is to be with a friend, a romantic partner, or a family member. Um, we we get a we get some of those sometimes where a kid will literally, you know, there's a divorce and they want to live with dad and say dad is, you know, two states away and they're living in, you know, just for example, Florence, Alabama, and say the dad's over in like South Carolina, right? We've had cases before where the kid will get somebody to pick them up and try and hitchhike all the way to dad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes dad knows what's happening and that's a problem. Or sometimes he doesn't know what's happening and the kid just shows up at his door. Uh, but, and if he's a good person, he's like, Hey, I know they've been missing here. They are. Um, but you know, and they kids run away all the time to be with a romantic partner. Uh, it's just, that one's a dumb one to me. <laughs> you know, you're 15 years old. It ain't that deep. Um, but you know, sometimes we've had kids of all, all different stories. And that, that's why I list all these risk factors is there is every kid's a different story. As yeah. we, as we begin to wrap this up, every kid's a different story. And uh, I wanted to give you two last stats here. 87% uh, of the, of the kids uh, that have been missing, that have been located, 87% have reported one of these risk factors, at least in their life. Uh, 62% have reported two or more. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, but you know, as, as we wrap it up, this, this episode really opens, has really opened my eyes, you know, a lot of this stuff and, uh, parents who are out there who have your kids and everything, uh, you know, from what you talked about, one of the number one things is just kids who want to be listened to kids that want to have that love and, we can get so caught up in our lives, you know, doing the nine to five, coming home, having to do dishes, having to clean the clothes, having to do this, having to do that. But don't ever forget to just stop, spend time with your kid, listen to them, ask them how their day's doing. And just don't ask them that, but actually listen to them. Yeah. So um, I think that's one of the number one things that uh, our, you know, parents listening can really take away from this. It's just don't get caught up in your life. Just remember that they have their own life too and they want to be a they want you to be a part of their life yeah and just spend that time with them yeah and that's the that's the deal with a lot of these kids you know they just want somebody to be there and uh you know and the thing that we say sometimes is like look if you're if you're not going to pay attention to your kids somebody will um and your kid will find that person uh, now so whether good, that man. whether that's running away or whatever um you know and i and i know everybody's busy and you know but that's just the reality of what it is. You know, I'm not trying to judge anybody. That's just what I've learned over the past two years of doing this. Um, and dude, I, there's a lot of these kids that I've met that have been runaways that have just broken my heart and I love them to death. You know, will I ever see them again? Probably not, but they're still in my heart and I pray for them and, you know, and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, as we wrap this up, I hope you learned something today. Uh, I hope you have a newfound uh, understanding of runaways and the things that are happening. But uh, if you have any questions about missions or ministry, you have any questions about this topic, uh, we have an email that you can send emails to at fillingthegap23 at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or anything like that. But uh, we appreciate you listening, and we hope you're enjoying this month. Next month's our last episode talking about human trafficking for January. Uh, We hope you join us. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.